Today's reading is Mark 10, 17 to 27. It can be found on page 933 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen here. This is God's Word. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad, because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With human beings this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. It's the word of the Lord. My pregnant wife just offered me her jacket before I came up here. (laughs) We love her. (laughs) Will you please pray with me? Dear God, uh, we thank you for this time to gather together and for bringing everyone here. Uh, We recognize that everyone comes from a different place, from different experiences, uh, from different ways that we feel about you. Um, Whether or not we even trust you or believe in you, but I pray that you would take this time to speak to us each uh, right where we are, that you would use these words um, to do good things and to bring glory and honor to you. Amen. Have any of you heard of the Hayward Foundation? Oh, good. This is going to be fun. In uh, the mid-90s, Saturday Night Live did a skit about the Hayward Foundation, where uh, the president, get rid of this, the president of the foundation, uh, his name was John Hayward, he kind of did this commercial kind of service announcement about the work they're doing with this foundation. And he kind of, he comes out and he says, hello, I'm a very wealthy man. I'm worth billions and always have been. But I haven't always been a man with a conscience. Time was I thought my money was all I needed to be happy. But all that changed one day when I came across this book, the Bible. And I saw where it said, It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. That passage changed my life. It moved me to start putting my riches toward a worthy cause. And that's why I established the Hayward Foundation. The Hayward Foundation. For the development of a way to make it easy for a camel to pass through the needle's eye. I'm not going to hell if my billions have anything to say about it, and I think they do. Let me show you. He then walks into this laboratory with a a bunch of uh, scientists and camels. He says, 
We're doing God's work here at the Hayward Foundation. First, scores of desperate third world children brought me all these camels. And then I found all these cancer researchers, made them stop whatever it was they were doing, and devote their energy to trying to force these camels through needles, just like it says in the Bible. I know it sounds impossible, but we're making a lot of progress. We started small. We tried to cram a horse through a drinking straw. The result wasn't, was pretty ugly and completely unsuccessful, but we learned a lot. Uh, next, we tried pureeing a camel into thin liquid, then pouring the camel through the eye of a needle. Sure enough, the liquid camel will pass through the needle. But we think that might be cheating. We've got our lawyers looking into it. <laughs> but a liquid camel's only part of it. I've also invested millions of dollars for my tobacco and pornography enterprises to build a very large needles and very small camels. <laughs> Unless I've completely missed the message of the Bible, somewhere in here is my ticket to heaven. The scientist comes out with this cat-sized camel and says, This is a new batch, Mr. Hayward. Aren't they cute? They're cute, just not small enough. Have them destroyed. So we're working toward a beautiful future here at the Hayward Foundation. We dream of a day when camels pass willy-nilly through the eyes of needles while billionaire industrialists like myself can look forward to an eternity spent in the pure white light of heaven. And if we can't get the camel through the needle, we have another plan. We're prepared to spend millions to get that part taken out of the Bible. Don't, don't worry about me. I'm glad no one had heard of that. I looked really hard for the video of it, but couldn't find it. But if any of you can find it, uh, I would love to watch it again. Uh, the kingdom of God is this phrase and concept that shows up a lot of time in the Bible, and especially one that Jesus used uses very frequently, uh, but it's also this kind of this difficult concept that some people don't really understand or we might not fully get. A lot of times we have this picture, and sometimes it's from movies and TV, where we imagine walking out into this white cloud and you approach these big golden pearly gates with a man with a beard sitting there waiting for you, and he pages through the big book looking for your name, and you get the thumbs up or the thumbs down. And if you make it in, then you just get to spend eternity with all these things you've ever dreamed of, like this great wealth, these huge mansions, no morning alarm clock, no rush hour traffic, just this perfect place that you could just spend eternity. The rich man from the story that we just read approaches Jesus asking him, how do I enter eternal life? The John Hayward from the Hayward Foundation is putting out many camels and giant needles in order to get to this afterlife place where he can spend all eternity. But is that really what people who say they're following Jesus are trying to acquire? Are they just trying to get their heaven ticket punched? If we just understand Jesus' words about the kingdom of God as this afterlife place that we end up, we miss a lot of the blessings that he's offering to us right now. Uh, it's interesting. In Jesus' ministry, the first thing he does before he does any miracles before he does any kind of teaching, you know, after his baptism and his, his ministry begins, the first thing he says is he says, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. He doesn't say, good news folks, if you do all the rules and you follow everything we tell you to do, when you die, you get to go to this good place. He says, the time has come, it's here, believe it. So that would make us kind of wonder, well, what in, sen- in what sense is the kingdom of God near? What does it look like? And why, um, why is this good news for us? 
In another story, Jesus explains, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, Here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. And some translators even say, The kingdom of God is within you. Uh, Stanley Grentz is a, or he was a, you know, well-respected theologian. He actually died a few years back. But he explains the kingdom like this. The kingdom of God is that order of perfect peace, righteousness, justice, and love that God gives to the world. So most scholars will agree, most biblical and theological scholars agree, that the primary focus of Jesus' ministry while he was here on earth was not his miracles, was not teaching about what rules to follow, but his primary focus was just to tell people that the kingdom of God was here. That was his focus. And so he spends all of his teachings and time trying to say what it looks like to live in this sphere of existence and what kind, how to experience the blessings of this kingdom and why that's good news. He gives all kinds, the Bible and Jesus, he gives all these different kinds of examples in his teachings. Here's a couple different ones that I'm just going to read for you uh, that he says of how, how to live in this, this realm of peace and love and justice in the world. And Matthew says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Also in Matthew he says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, the peacemakers, the merciful. One time he sits down with his disciples and he says, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and servants of all. Paul, another person who wrote most of the New Testament when trying to tell other people about the teachings of Jesus, he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. So you can see in all these examples, there's this common thread of this selfless way of life, this serving mentality. It says, don't worry about yourself. Don't put value on earthly stuff and things. Don't seek to take care of yourself. Become a servant of everyone else. Don't look to your own needs first, but look to other people's needs first. You see, the the rich man who came up to Jesus... He had this idea in his head of how he was going to acquire this peace, this, this lifestyle of perfect fulfillment and satisfaction. And he thought, well, if I just follow all these rules, then I will be able, like, I'll be able to sit back and just have this peace in my life. My soul will be just at rest. And so he goes through all these rules, and he's able to come to Jesus and say, I've followed every one of these since I was a boy. But the fact that he's still coming to Jesus asking him what he needs to do kind of shows that it wasn't cutting it. He still must have had this, this hole or this emptiness inside of him or this, this hurt that he was trying to fill. And even his riches and all his possessions weren't filling, up, weren't filling that hole or that void. And so Jesus looks at him and says, you know, you lack one thing. Which to him at first probably sounded good because he's like, oh, I've been able to do everything else. I can follow these rules. I've been able to acquire. Just tell me what it is. I'll go get it. And Jesus says, to acquire that one thing that you're lacking, you have to let go. You have to let go of that stuff. Let go of trying to do this on your own. 
let go of that security that you find in these things that you're able to acquire on your own. Our society also tells us that um, what's important for us, that the most important thing is to take care of yourself first, that you should do whatever you can to get the things you want, that if you don't have the certain amount of money or certain car that you can't be satisfied, that you can't feel secure, that you can't, you will never be happy or at peace until you get this. Every advertisement you see on TV pretty much is saying, this product, this thing, this place will give you the happiness that you've been looking for exactly how you've always dreamed it would be. And you're, finally your life will be full and you'll be at peace. You remember, maybe you've never done this, I never did this as a kid, but the kid who throws a fit in the store because they want that one toy. And they just throw this fit and finally, again, my parents never would have given in to this, but the parent gives in and you think the toy gets home and as soon as you walk through the door, the toy's laying on the floor and the kid never cares about it again. The acquiring of stuff is not going to bring this fulfillment that we always think it's going to or that the lies tell us it's going to bring this fulfillment. Even the process of acquiring things can just bring this complete miserable stuff to it. My wife and I and James, our realtor, for the past two months have been trying to buy a house. And I can guarantee you that anybody who's tried to buy a house before, it brings anything but perfect peace to your life. I've been consumed with meeting deadlines, rounding up documentation, finding, uh, making sure loan approval goes through, all this stuff, and it just brings this chaos. My energy, my time, my focus is on this thing, and I feel myself getting impatient with Katie, impatient with Cope, my son, and thankfully we have an awesome realtor. <laughs> Otherwise, I can only imagine it would be so much worse. But this, this process of acquiring stuff, um, it's so amazing how material things have a way of, of finding their priority over people, and they cause us to think about ourselves rather than the people around us and how we can help that. I have a friend who, uh, he participated in this program called Mission Year. I don't know if any of you heard of it. How it works is they take individuals or families and they put them in poor urban areas. And the, the, what they do for the year is they just help serve the needs of that community and that neighborhood. They build relationships. They build community. And they pretty much leave everything behind. They, they show up with almost nothing, and it's just this year to focus on these people in these areas. And my friend tells a story of this family who showed up uh, to do mission year, and the husband of the family, you know, they pretty much left everything, but one thing he brought with him was this chair. It was like a recliner chair or whatever. And for him, it was this thing that at the end of the day, he just liked to sit in that chair, unwind, relax, and... Um, it was just one comfort that he kind of brought along. And so as the program went on, they started building relationships with their neighbors and having people over. And there was this one particular lady that they became friends with, and she started coming to her house. The only problem was this lady had a smell, and she was pretty dirty. And every time she came over to their house, she would go straight for his chair. And then when they, when they would leave, he would have this, like, this smelly chair. He's like, I can't even enjoy this one thing that I've, I've given up everything to come serve these people and there's this one thing that I'm not even able to enjoy. And so finally, like he, just, he just let it go. He got rid of the chair. I'm not sure if he gave it to her, but he was able to just let it go because any t- his conclusion was anytime a material possession 
starts to negatively affect how you interact with another human being, you're denying yourself these blessings that God is offering to you in the kingdom. You let this material thing become you and a person, and suddenly your priorities are out of line, and you lose that peace that God offers to you. <clears throat> the reason the kingdom of God that is coming near is good news is that we do not have to try to find fulfillment in houses, in chairs, in cars, in our jobs, in money, in bank accounts, in vacations, but we can fully devote ourselves to loving other people, to serving them, to not relying on trying to find peace our own way, but we can trust that if we serve others and put other people first, that God will allow the blessings of his kingdom to come into our lives. So you're probably wondering, like, what does this all have to do with camels? Um, I was pretty glad when I saw this. I thought, well, that's an easy one. It says right in the passage what it means. Um, it's easier for a camel to pass through an eye of a needle. You have these two contrasting messages. You've got this message from God that says, you know what? If you want this perfect peace and this realm of lifestyle of love, then you live this selfless, serving life. And then you get this message from the world and society and that you pick up from other places that says, if you want this happiness and peace, then you need to have this self-serving life where you just focus on the things you want and getting, uh, getting the things that you feel like you need that will make you happy. And those two, these two messages, they cannot both exist in your life at the same time. You cannot be selfless and self-serving at the same time. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. It's impossible for a self-serving, materialistic life to get you the peace and love and rest for your soul that God promises in his way of, of living. So you can imagine after his disciples heard that, why they, once they heard how hard it was to get into the kingdom of God, his disciples jumped on that Well. Well, then who's going to be able to experience these blessings? Who's going to be able to experience the kingdom of God? How, how not rich do we have to be for it not to be impossible for us? And he says, that's where he levels the playing field, and he kind of says, it's impossible for anyone to acquire this realm, this overwhelming lifestyle of peace and love on their own. He says, but with God, it's offered freely to everyone. <clears throat> We tie, ourselves down, we tire ourselves trying to obtain peace and love, but we just keep filling our life with these things that don't satisfy us. Martin Luther King tells a story uh, in one of his sermons of a lady during the bus boycotts in Montgomery. He says, One of the most dedicated participants in the bus protests in Montgomery, Alabama, was an elderly Negro who we affectionately called Mother Pollard. Although poverty-stricken and uneducated, she was amazingly intelligent and possessed a deep understanding of the meaning of the movement. <clears throat> After walking for several weeks, she was asked if she were tired. With ungrammatical profundity, she answered, My feet is tired, but my soul is rested. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Our souls become restless 
We pile heaps of baggage onto our lives trying to make ourselves good enough, good-looking enough, rich enough, popular enough, normal enough, so that somehow we'll become happy, acquire this peace, or that we'll become, feel valued. So what is it in your life that you've been trying to find rest for your soul with? Do you go from relationship to relationship to relationship seeking someone to finally make you feel valued? Do you think the only way that you can get peace is to keep getting drunk because then you forget about the pain that you're carrying and so you try to acquire peace by avoiding it altogether? Do you try to find security and peace in the way that you make money? Is the most important thing to you to get to a certain level of income so that finally you feel like you'll be able to kick back and relax? Maybe it's your time. Do you feel like at the end of the week you just have given all you can and you just want, you just need this time for yourself? You don't want to be involved with anybody else. You just need to kick back and veg. And none of these are bad things. Well, I guess getting drunk all the time is a bad thing. But, but like money in itself is not a bad thing. Working isn't a bad thing. Money is not a bad thing. The things that the rich man were doing, they weren't bad things. He said, I don't murder. I don't commit adultery. I honor my... Well, those are good things. I mean, that's pretty honorable. But when you lean on these things for this peace and this life that God promises, you never find it. You never become fulfilled. So I say try it. Try it this week. Find the one thing, or for most of us, the several things that have snuck into your life and that you've begun to re- rely on for the security, for this peace, this, this promises that God gives in his kingdom. How many hours a day do you spend on Facebook? Give it up for a week. I'm sure next week you won't come back and say, I'm so much less at peace because I don't know that someone I haven't talked to from high school likes the latest episode of Jersey Shore. (laughs) Give it up. like Things that you shouldn't care about. How much money do you need in your bank account before you'll feel secure? Try tithing. Give the 10%. It's a tithe. If you don't want to give it to us, give it to someone else. The Bible is very clear that tithing and giving money is just as important, if not more important, to the person giving it than the, the, whoever's going to be receiving it. Try it. Um, how many clothes do you have? Do you have any idea? Why? Are you able to donate some of those? Is that something you hide behind? Maybe for you, the thing that you do to acquire peace is you have this thing in your past that you work so hard to cover up, to not let anybody else know about because you're afraid if it gets out, what they're going to think about you or that suddenly you will just lose all control, and this chaos will come in. Maybe you need to let that go. Maybe you need to find someone who you can trust to just say, you need to be real, and that's the thing you need to let go. Maybe with your time. Next Friday, why don't you come with us, make a plate of lasagna, and let's go serve uh, the group of guests that are coming to Livingstones and see if it's... Just try it. God offers this peace, and there's so many ways that we try and find rest for our souls that are so unfulfilling. But God offers this other way of life, this selfless serving way of life where we don't rely on materials, we don't rely on our abilities to find this fulfilled life. When the Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, it doesn't just mean someday you will be saved to this place when you die. 
to spend eternity with God. It means you can be saved from the burdens you carry right now, that you can be saved from this mess that's in your life, that you can be saved from this chaos, and you can have this peace, and you can have this value because of what God promises you. And sometimes it might cause you to be uncomfortable. Your hands and your feet may become very tired and sore, but your soul will be rested. Please pray with me. Dear God, thank you for offering us your kingdom and for allowing us to be able to rely on you. But God, we confess that many times we do try to acquire uh, everything on our own, to find a life of peace and satisfaction and fulfillment in our own way and through things that we can buy and acquire. God, reveal those things to us that are holding us back from being able to fully experience your love and your peace and your joy and help us to to trust you and to be able to give those things up and to, to not rely